Welcome to the Time Pieces History Podcast. You're listening to a bonus episode. In today's show, Gudrun talks to Mei King Sang, FOMO creator and Chinese tea expert. Good morning, Mei King. I hope you're well. Very well. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining me on what I hope is the first of many interviews on the Time Pieces History Podcast. This is very exciting for me because what this podcast is all about is is both for people who love history and for people who work in the heritage industry just to learn a bit more um, about different things that they can do in terms of marketing and promotion. So I thought you'd be the ideal person to come on. Um, So I've seen you work your magic at conferences around the country. Um, (laughs) uh, Yeah, you were amazing. Um, But for anybody listening who doesn't know what FOMO is, could you explain that for me, please, and tell us how you go about creating FOMO? Well, um, first of all, thanks for inviting me to be on the podcast. I'm so excited. Uh, and um, yes, I was giggling away at your uh, wonderful words about me. Um, yes, yeah, so I am the FOMO creator. Uh, and um, FOMO means the fear of missing out. Basically, what I do is help to bridge the gap between social media and PR. And I do this by creating lots of live social media Uh, videos, photographs, interviews, all live at an event uh, for my client on the platforms that they need uh, visibility on. So whether it's Twitter, uh, Facebook, uh, Facebook Live, Instagram Live, Instagram Stories, uh, LinkedIn, I can do all of that. And that's what a FOMO creator does. um, I create so much of a buzz and an excitement um, live at the uh, event. Other people who didn't make that event watching on social media and they look at all the uh, the content and think oh my gosh I need to get to this next year it sounds amazing that's what I do so you're you're doing all this on your phone do your thumbs ever get tired (laughs) yeah I do get a bit of RSI (laughs) (laughs) actually no um I actually did uh three conferences in the space of uh, I think it was um 10 days or something like that wow and I was tweeting and I was Instagramming and I was creating uh, LinkedIn posts as, and doing interviews as well and uh, I, and I wasn't very well actually either um, so I have to admit I was surprised I didn't get RSI back then but uh, no I think my fingers and thumbs are used to me being on the phone all the time I think. That's good because I've, I've seen you in action and your, your, your hands are just a blur as you flick across your screen so I think if it was me my, my hands would drop off. I'm very impressed with that (laughs) thank you (laughs) so you say you said you did three conferences pretty much back to back is formal creation something that works in any industry you know could it work in in heritage for people who are organizing history related conferences or people who work in marketing and events and promote events at stately homes and museums and galleries and things like that is that something they could do Oh, absolutely. It's not just exclusive to events, conferences, festivals, um, workshops. It's for anyone who has a business or anyone who has a story to tell. And of course, a stately home has a story to tell. They have history to tell, right? And especially um, in um, in times of lockdown, how else can we gain access to a stately home or to a museum or to a library? 
we can do it virtually. Um, and so, you know, I, I saw a, a website uh, that showed, um, you know, images of um, stately homes or, you know, museums. And so it enables the viewer to actually feel as if they are there. Yep. And that's what FOMO is all about. You know, you feel that you're there, but you're actually, you know, missing out. So therefore you need to sign up. So stately homes really do that you know how someone who can walk around and explain all the history um you know how the, the, the place came to be built who it, it was owned by you know some of the art pieces some of their most prized possessions you know are there any um you know people that still live in the stately homes that you know for that have come down from generations having interviews with them you know, there's so much content that we can that we can created that really shows people about the the home or the museum or or whatever. Um, and it's you know, as I say, it's kind of bridging the gap between social media and PR. You're kind of selling without selling. You're mm-hmm. showing the wonders of the um, you know the uh, the museum or the stately home, and you're showing it with a view of hoping that the viewers will think you know what I need to go and see this place myself mm-hmm. and that's exactly what content marketing is isn't it it's it's about thinking about your audience and what they want rather than what you as the the conference organizer or the state homeowner wants and at the end of the day you can have a lovely house and or a lovely conference but it's the people who who matter the most and you need to you need to respond to them so obviously FOMO and creating that is is showing people what they what they can what they're missing out on and what they could be experiencing so that's really yeah really important I think yeah no absolutely and I think that um, as business owners or uh, owners of stately homes or uh, curators of museums we need to remember that some of the things that we think are boring are so completely new to viewers so we need to remember that so when you're creating FOMO, when you're thinking about what can I put on social media right now, it is the seemingly mundane stuff that we find exciting. I mean, we are incredibly nosy as an, um, you know, as a species. That's, That's why there is a program where we're watching people watching TV. <laughs> <you know? laughs> and it's because we're incredibly nosy. Yeah. So give people. Uh, you know, those informations, those little facts, those figures that we have seen day in, day out that we might think boring. But think of your viewers, you know, your viewers, your listeners, they've never seen it before or they may find it fascinating, yep. you know. So, um, you know, behind the scenes, talking to people that uh, have lived and breathed and, you know, experienced um, what you're experiencing, you know, explaining um you know, the stately home in simplest terms, you know, there may be some things that you think are really easy and uh, and are obvious, but they may not be for the first timer. So those are kind of things that you can really, ex- you know, get excited about. And of course, if you're passionate about the museum, the stately home, and you talk about it passionately, just like you do, Gudrun, you know, you talk passionately about history, the people, the listeners, the viewers, the watchers, they're going to get excited by your passion and then they'll want to know more. And again, that's where the FOMO creating starts. Well, it sounds, it sounds really exciting. And now I'm, I've got FOMO from not being able to visit any museums. <laughs> so um, apart from FOMOing, you, you used to run a tea business, didn't you? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because I'm, I'm a big fan of tea. Um, yeah, so uh, I am on all the socials as uh, making tea. So at, at the 
the beginning of the podcast, you mentioned my, you know, my first name is Making, and I'm on all the socials as Making Tea, and I used to run a tea business. Um, I'm currently pausing it at the moment, but I do want to go back into it. And I am one of the top 50 recommended speakers of tea. Um, but like any business, um, you know, any business owner, if you have a qualification or you have an accolade that, you know, you can't just, you can't just shout about it. You know, you need to prove it. And yeah. so in my tea business, I would, uh, with all the um, information and um, that I've acquired about tea, um, I will share it, you know, on Twitter, on Facebook, on uh, LinkedIn, on um on Instagram and I'll share it I share my love for tea I'll taste different teas people will ask me what kind of teas can they uh, have and um, what would go well with a particular meal um you know what goes well with a dessert you know ask me a tea what kind of tea to sell and so I would give a lot of advice about that um, and share my knowledge um and help people answer their questions about tea that's, so that's what I used to do and as well as selling tea back then um I used to, I love working with other people. So I worked with um, a global artist. He's Chinese based in New York and he was responsible for the opening and closing Beijing Olympics. Wow. How cool is that? That's amazing. I know. Wow. I know. So, um, you know, uh, and we can talk about this later on. I performed Chinese uh, tea ceremony as part of an exhibition. He actually produced artwork for, uh, for the Gallery of Modern Art in Brisbane. Uh, that was incredible. I've worked with, um, you know, uh, award-winning chefs. And uh, there was one particular chef who appeared on MasterChef in Australia, one of the judges. And uh, we created a six-course degustation, but they're all desserts. So I matched tea uh, with all of the different desserts. Wow. That was incredible. Yeah. And I, w- I worked with another uh, chef and we created a seven-course degustation. Um, so these were, you know, from uh, a mousse-bouche all the way through to the main meal. And again, I picked out some of the flavours from the uh, the food uh, and matched the teas to them. And I had a horrible job, uh, Gudrun. I'm sure you can feel my pain when we had to cook, you know, chef had to cook these things at various things times so that I could try them oh how awful so, for you I know, oh sorry about horrible. that I know it was horrible drinking and, tea uh, and eating yeah. lovely food awful. I know I know in order to get the, the perfect matching and uh, the perfect match and it was a uh, incredible fun loved it um and so yeah I also last year which I want to try and do again is um, I launched um four um tea infused beers <gasps> Oh we, yes, and we had them in a pub, and uh, and and uh, we launched it, and that was incredible. So I, I would like to do that again. So there's lots of things that, a lots of fun stuff that I did as well as sound tea as well. Oh, that's brilliant! That's a lot of scope. Oh, now I've got FOMO from not being uh, involved in Master Chef or with award-winning chefs because I I like food. And I like tea. It sounds like a match made in heaven. Oh, me too. Me too. I love food and I love my tea too as well. <laughs> so before we uh, before we wander down that path, um, well, one of the reasons I've invited you on is because in episode seven of season one of the podcast, um, we were looking at afternoon tea, which is a great British institution um, and something that I enjoy. Um, and we, I was looking particularly at the at the t- at the brew itself because obviously you know tea like so many things actually as I found out when I was doing my um my blog series a lot of things come out of China 
and, and you know, so the, the Chinese, um, there's a lot of heritage around that. So I'm curious to know about some of that, that sort of heritage and those traditions, such as the, the, you know, the tea ceremony that you mentioned. Um, you know, can you tell us a little bit about that, you know, who, who it's performed for and what, what the reasons and the, the meaning behind that is? Yeah, and you know the um, the concept of the afternoon tea is not completely different to the tea ceremonies that um, are experienced around the world. So um, you know when afternoon tea was invented, it was designed for ladies what lunch. Mm-hmm. We wanted to hang out with each other, chat, gossip, uh, and take their time. And so you know, and they were a little bit hungry as well. Um, from um, because I think back then in the 1600s there was lunch time uh, where there was food, and then there was dinner, which is about seven o'clock. So of yeah. course people were getting a little bit peckish, and that's where the whole idea of afternoon tea uh, came from. And it was a, a middle class, upper middle class institution. Yep. Um, not to be confused with high tea, high tea was amongst the working classes. Yep, that's right. Um, so, um, so yeah, so anyway, the whole idea of taking time, hanging out with friends and talking and so on is really, um, is also um, reminiscent in the uh, Chinese tea ceremony or the Japanese tea ceremony. The uh, Japanese tea ceremony is probably the uh, most famous of all the ceremonies. Mm-hmm. That was actually taken from the, the initial Chinese ceremony. So um, a, um, a Japanese priest took uh, what he saw in, in China and brought okay. it over to Japan and made it his own. Oh, and, I didn't know that. Yeah, and uh, the Chinese ceremony is a lot less formal than the Japanese ceremony, but the whole idea behind the ceremony is really about taking time for yourself mm-hmm. taking time with um, a group of uh, friends or family and really appreciating the tea yep so back in the you know 1600s in the UK where they had afternoon tea um, it was really designed for women to get together but they yep. did appreciate the tea because tea was expensive then Yep. And they would show it off in their silver caddies, you know, and, and, and you know, bring sugar with silver tongs and all the rest of it. So the, the ceremony in China and Japan, very similar. It wasn't designed as a, you know, as a piece to show off, but it was um, an opportunity for us to really appreciate the making of the tea. And actually watching the, the, uh, the making of the tea is actually a ceremony itself. Yeah. So... You are watching it being performed by a tea master. You are watching it being made for you. You are appreciating it. Um, and uh, you are, you know, awakening all the senses by smelling the tea, looking at the tea leaves, uh, appreciating the tea itself, taking a sip of it. In the case of the Japanese tea ceremony, you would uh, have a sweet dessert that goes with it as well, which you would nibble on. Um, and, and then you would pass the bowl to your friends. Um, and they would, you know, turn the bowl around uh, so, um, so that they can uh, sip, it, sip from it. And it's a really um, a wonderful way of actually sitting down, taking time for yourself and appreciating what's out in front of you. Now, the Chinese tea ceremony, slightly different, um, a lot less formal. But I still felt that it was like watching a Japanese um, no 
a play, like a um, like a play without subtitles or a foreign mm. film without subtitles. The people are watching it have no idea what's going on. Yeah. And when I performed Chinese East Family, well, I watched a lot on uh, TV, and I, I also um, um, actually, you know, was a part of a, a tea ceremony. Um, during my research or my tea set <laughs> for my business. And um, I realized, uh, being a Brit, um, I love my tea. Being Chinese, I love my tea. I realized that a lot of people were complaining to me about uh, how they went to China or they went to um, Japan and uh, they uh, paid to go to the tea ceremony and they got absolutely ripped off because they got a thimble of tea. Oh. And I couldn't understand why they were getting confused because I thought, you know, it's, you're supposed to be appreciating the, um, you know, the way that it's being made for you as well. Yeah. Then I realised it's because our British ceremony of making tea has disappeared. So back yeah. in the 50s, we used to make tea in a pot, you know, yeah. teapot. We used to bring the cake. We used to bring the biscuits and we used to hang out, talk, yeah. you know, and what have you brought it in a tray. With the invention of tea bags uh, and the convenience of bringing in, tea, um, you know, cakes and biscuits, and uh, with television, we basically, you know, put the kettle on, go back and watch TV till we hear the the kettle spoiled. We go back in, make the tea as quick as we can, so that we, you know, just while the adverts are on, we rush back in, bring the tea out to to everybody, and then we go and carry on watching TV again. Yeah, that's true. So the whole ceremony has been lost. And so the process of the tea being made for you, that's why there was a conflict between um, Western tourists who went to, uh, to Japanese tea ceremonies or Chinese tea ceremonies, and they were waiting impatiently for the tea to be made. Whereas yeah. what they didn't realise was actually it's the ceremony. Yeah, it's the lead up for. as much as the... The lead up just as much as yeah. the tea itself. And the reason why you don't get a mug full is because... Um, the tea is very special and you're supposed to awaken the senses by appreciating what has been made in front of you. And so if you have a little bit, you are, you know, you're not gulping it down. Yeah, um, you're not dunking your digestive or your rich tea into yeah. it. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. So I realised then that um, I need to, um, I would like to bring my two, um, you know, cultures and my two upbringings together. And so I performed my Chinese tea ceremony but I, I actually walked people through the process. So I was kind of like giving subtitles yep. to the ceremony to help people appreciate it even more and explain, you know, little things like this where, um, you know, the, the British tea ceremony has kind of been lost now. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, tea, the Chinese tea ceremony and the Japanese tea ceremony process of making tea is still there. Yep. And I'll explain why there are no biscuits. I'll explain why there isn't any milk. I'll explain yep. why we are looking at tea leaves. And they'll explain any questions that they may have about tea because there are lots of, you know, there are lots of different um, questions that I get. Um, and, uh, and, and during the, the ceremony, I like to explain all of those. So, uh, yes, yeah, so that, that's all. Sorry, a long way. Not away. at all. That's a brilliant, brilliant answer. <laughs> the difference between all the ceremonies. Yes. <laughs> so my next, my next question was going to be about um, misconceptions, but I think you've answered that because you've said, you know, in, in, in Britain, we're used to just, you know, having a chipped mug with a biscuit <laughs> and slipping it down and slopping it all over ourselves. And that's, that's, there's a place for that. But, you know, Absolutely. you're talking about, you know, experiencing and uh, appreciating things. So, yes, I think you've answered 
that question. Um, unless you, you think there's anything else? Yeah, I mean, uh, like you said, Gudrun, there is definitely a place for, you know, a builder's brew. You know, I um, I don't mind a, a Yorkshire tea. Um, other brands are available. And <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I don't mind a builder's brew every now and again. I, I really don't. You know, I, you know, sometimes I just need something where a teaspoon can stand up uh, in its cup. Yep. Um, and sometimes I use tea bags and sometimes I use loose leaf tea uh, and Today, I'm actually a little bit greedy because I've actually got a bit of both. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yes. So I've got a Brazilian um, tea, which is loose leaf. And I've also got um, a uh, an oolong tea, which is actually in a tea bag, uh, funnily enough. So, um, But I'll probably go for Yorkshire or another brand, of course, <laughs> uh, <laughs> later this afternoon with a, with a biscuit. <laughs> Good. That sounds, that sounds great. Um, so my, my final question um, is, is just a bit of fun um, because this is a, a history podcast. So my question is, if you could spend a day in history, when would it be? Or which person from history would you like to meet? Wowzers. You know, that was that's such a difficult question because there's so many people that I admire. So many people. Um so you know, Bodicea, I mean, wasn't she amazing? She, she was, was. yeah. Badass. She's so my um, goddaughter's her. hero. My goddaughter's obsessed oh, really? with her. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> she is amazing. Um, and um, uh, is it a Queen Anne who was who helped to bring Wales and Scotland and England together? Yeah. She was made, fam- uh, she was made famous by Olivia Coleman in um, is it the favorite? Oh, that's right, the favorite. Yeah, that yeah. yeah, that was Queen Anne, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, so I mean, she was an incredible woman. Um, and then I should actually do my homework, but when I was growing up, there were lots of uh, historical programs that I grew up with, and there was this one um, female um, royal who was an absolute badass as well. And I should know her name. I'll have to. I'll, what I'll do is research her, and then I'll give you the name for the show notes. I think Brilliant. Thank you. because. Yeah. She, she was a bad, she was manipulative, but my God, she was amazing. And there were loads of Chinese films and series that were done about her. Wow. Um, and I'd, I'd hoped that one day Hollywood might pick her up because she, yeah, she was very manipulative, uh, very protective of her son. But she got what she wanted in order to unite the, um, China together. And, um, and yeah, and she was amazing absolutely amazing you know like you, you often get female um leaders uh, and, and a lot of um hollywood films they tend to make the, the female leaders uh as honey traps they you do, know yeah. using their sexuality into stuff and um you know women you know female leaders not all of them are like that and the majority of them are not like that you know they don't try and act them in order to get somewhere um you know they're actually bloody clever a lot of them you know like Marilyn Monroe she you know she is perceived to be this um you know not very bright woman she was really bright you know yeah. so as a complete aside did you see the story that um Ella Fitzgerald wanted to perform at um a particular club and yes. they said, you know, you're a bit on the larger side and you're not the... You're black. You're not <laughs> white. <laughs> you're not white. Um, yes. And so Marilyn Monroe got wind of this and said, and rang the club and said, look, put her on and I will come and sit in the front row every single night that she performs. Yes. You know, and the publicity, will you'll get that because I'm there. But in actual fact, you're going to get a cracking performer 
who was yeah. going to work her socks off for you. Um, yeah. And I thought, I thought that was interesting because, yeah, you know, people think, oh, you know, she was just this big ditzy blonde with boobies. Yeah. And, but that's an incredible, you know, that's a, at that point in time, that's, that's quite a significant statement to be making, isn't it? And Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, no, it was wonderful. And I did see that uh, and I've heard that story before. And uh, Ella Fitzgerald did say that she owes Marilyn Monroe everything because from that day onward, she never had to perform in small clubs ever again. And she did come, you know, through the front door as a performer, not the back door as a coloured artist. So, um, yeah, Marilyn Monroe was incredible incredible woman so I would actually I would have loved to have met her too so yeah all, all of my uh, historical historical figures happen to be uh, female um but yeah they're all badass in their own way and yeah. um, all incredible all incredible yeah and I think we could do with more badass females um brilliant well I think that's everything so my final question my proper final question has to be where can listeners find out more about making full um, well, do please follow me on all the socials as um, Making Tea. So that's M-A-Y-K-I-N-G-T-E-A. Um, I do have a YouTube channel called FOMO Creator. And uh, there is a, a video there uh, that gives you ideas on uh, what is FOMO, um, the six steps to creating FOMO, and eight different FOMO ideas that you wow. have for your business, for an event, um, you know, as an organizer, as a sponsor, as a speaker. Um, so that's all there, um, obviously. I am going to be creating a, a website soon, um, but uh, it's not live yet. So, um, but hopefully uh, when the time is right, you'll be able to find that. But um, go, go and see my YouTube and you'll find some uh, incredible stuff there that will help you with your stay at home, your museum, your art exhibition, your events, your conference. Fantastic. That's brilliant. I love, love the sound of that YouTube video. I'll uh, go and check that out properly and get some ideas. So thank you so much for your time today, May King. Um, I'm going to go off and stick the kettle on. Um, <laughs> let's not ask what kind of tea I'm using. <laughs> best, best not to ask. I'm sure it's just some horrible tea bag from Aldi. Tea is tea. It, you know, if it makes you feel great, that's all that matters. And, that, you know, it. as long as it hits the spot, it's fine. That is brilliant. And thank you, everybody, for listening. I hope you've enjoyed that. We might even get making back some point to talk more about a female badass heroes so uh, that would be great <laughs> amazing well thanks again Gudrun really appreciate it thank you thank you for your time thank you for listening to the Time Pieces History Podcast don't forget to listen next time for more quick history facts